name is Ruth Linden and I'm managing partner at specialist search firm Phoenix. This is part two in our two-part webinar series where we look at employment and privacy issues arising for companies in a COVID-19 context. I am delighted to be joined today by Mary Siri Kearney. Mary is a practicing barrister and also an expert in employment law, compliance and corporate governance. She is also a consultant at the HR Brief Limited. So today we're going to look at employment rights, particularly in the context of layoff, short term and redundancy. We're also going to look at uh, issues around contractual notice periods and also amending employee contracts. We will then look at employment immigration permits and finally finish it off with a quick overview of relevant health and safety obligations, obviously very relevant in today's world. So without further ado, over to you, Mary. Okay, the biggie at the moment is layoff and redundancy. So yeah. one of the first reactions that people had uh, following the 12th of March statement by the Taoiseach was to put people on layoff and put them on short term. That activated, you know, employment lawyers like me got thinking, oh my goodness, within four to six weeks, we could have people um, activating the, you know, the RP50s and all of the rest and activating redundancy. How is that going to happen? The, the feedback immediately from government was we're going to do everything we can to keep the employer-employee relationship connected. And consequently, they amended the Section 12 of the Redundancy Payments Act that gave an entitlement that once I was laid off or short or on short term for anything between four and six weeks, depending on the circumstances, and um, uh, once I was laid off, I had a, an entitlement to claim redundancy. They amended that to say that you cannot claim it redundancy. So Section 12A uh, of the Act, um, of the Redundancy Payments Act, as amended by the COVID Emergency um, Act, um, that Section 12A has been put in to say that it shall not have effect, that the Section 12 should not have effect if you've been laid off or you've been put on short term um, as a consequence of the government policy to prevent or limit or minimize, uh, minimize or slow the spread of COVID-19. Uh -huh. So if you have people on layoff in short term because of COVID-19, then they do not have an entitlement to serve you with a notice for redundancy. And there is a stay on that for as long as a, at the moment, up until the 30th of June, presumably right. that may be extended further if necessary. Hopefully it will be. Um, however, however, a cautionary note I've had a couple of people on to me from various different industries where the company was in trouble prior to COVID-19 and the employer is seeking to benefit from the COVID-19 and thinks that they don't have to pay redundancy to employees that they have laid off. Okay. That is not true and it you will be crucified on the other end of this on, uh, in under unfair dismissals in the Workplace Relations Commission and the Labour Court when they open up if employers are seen to cynically benefit from this. So okay. this, is, this is really, it's a measure to say the coffee shops that have been closed, the pubs, the, you know, the hospitality industry, the people that were laid off there, they can't suddenly claim redundancy from their employers. They have to wait. And when the COVID-19 situation, emergency situation ends, at that point, those people will be re-engaged. So it's not a real layoff situation. It's a it's an artificial um, cessation of employment. And okay. so there's no entitlement to redundancy. However, if there is a cynical use of it, then that will become an unfair dismissals matter. 
Yeah, and, and, and it makes sense. And it's great to see that the legislation was changed because that would just be completely nonsensical. Oh, gosh. If you're doing layoff, how could you afford a redundancy payment? So that's yeah, good. You couldn't, not at all, not at all. Okay, so I suppose there, there's, there's maybe um, arising out of that is if you do have to lay people off, yeah. how does how do you choose them? Exactly. And yeah. How do you? And I think that was one of your 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 questions, Ruth. Was yeah, exactly. a good one of looking at well, what does that mean? How how do I do that? Yeah. What you've got to do is look at the needs of the business and look at as we stand at this moment in time. If we are a business that's deemed to be an essential business or a critical infrastructure business right now, what skills are required? to maintain that business and you choose it on the basis of the needs of the business and the skills that are required then you go to who matches those skills okay so you're looking at and redundancy it always is it's about the job not the people so uh, so with this on on a layoff if you if you are obliged to choose between staff you will go for this uh, on a create a skills matrix that matches up to the requirements of the business right now. And yeah. if you do that and that's documented, then that can't really come unstuck. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a direct comparison and someone can know, oh gosh, well, actually, I know nothing about how to, you know, run a payroll. So I'm no use to them right now. In but there's Ruth who can do that and can also, yeah. Yeah. you know, make widgets. So yeah. it makes sense that you would be retained while I'm laid off. Okay, no, it makes sense. So it's the role, not the person. And document again, just document everything. Everything. If it's not written down, didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> However well motivated it was, okay. the rule is always, and yeah. I would say to my clients, where, if you're envisaging the day that I'm sitting beside you in the Workplace Relations Commission or in the Labour Court, when I open my folder of evidence, this is what I want in it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm planning for that day. And on that day, then I can mount a defense. And hopefully we never get there if everything has been done correctly in the steps between here and there. But mm -hmm. on that day, if you can say, well, this is what we did. We made the best choices that we could. We recognized we needed 10 people who had to come into the factory for X, Y, and Z. And so these were the people that matched that. And okay. then if you have a choice between, you know, Mary and Ruth that both are have all of the same skills, then if Ruth was there longer than Mary, then it's Mary that gets laid off and Ruth. So you have the backup plan of last in, first out. Okay, okay. okay. And layoff versus short-term, Mary, in the high level, what's the difference? So layoff, you're gone, you're on the payroll, but you're not working for X number of weeks. But you're Short not on the payroll. Okay, okay, sorry. So you're... Yeah, we specifically said uh, in the contract that said, is it, you know, there is a... It, it's it's you would say it's so obvious as to go without saying if we take a typical of a construction industry for instance if i am if i'm a construction company i'm building this project at the end of that i'm going to move on to the next project i may we ha may have a four-week period there where i have no work as we get set up or we're setting in the ground crew so we don't need the brickies and um, you will have people that are laid off but they're always on your books Okay. Because they're your employees, you've built their skill base, you've employed them, you've engaged them, you've, you know, you've invested in them, they've invested in you, you keep that crew with you. But it may be that there are short periods of time where the nature of the business is that they don't work okay. for that short period of time. And so they're not paid for that short period of time. But strictly speaking, your employment contract should say 
during layoff, you will not be paid because I have found myself on the other side of trying to defend companies where that wasn't written in. Yeah. And you get solicitors who are making that case to say, if it's not written down, then you have no right to withhold their payment. And then you get into the custom and practice of an industry. So make sure it's written in the, oh, yeah. in the okay. report. Okay. So not hold, but still an employee. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Still an employee. Yeah. And, and during that period of layoff, the employee is entitled to work for other employers Okay. Entitled to claim benefit. Okay. Okay. Short time means that I am still working, but I'm working either sporadically or else I'm working reduced hours. So okay. I'm working a shorter time than my contract specifies. Okay. And if somebody is reduced to say three day a week, so it's short time, could yeah. they claim, you know, from the government state for the balance of two days? Yeah. Okay. Yes. They, yes. Okay. They, so, and uh, how do contractual notice periods, you know, work with all of this? So does an employer have to, if you want to put someone on layoff or short time or make them redundant, do you have to consider and abide by contractual notice periods? In in the general scheme of things, yes, you would. Right? Okay. So in, in the normal and particularly given the, the volume of layoffs and the volume of redundancies that are potentially here, mm. uh, could be into collective redundancies if you depending on the percentage of employees that are going. So strictly speaking, yes, you should. If you've made a provision that we will give you notice before we lay off, um, notice really refers to termination of employment. So mm-hmm. notice is about the actual redundancy as when as and when the the day that your contract with me terminates. Okay. Um, so your notice period, depending on the length of service will be for a particular period, anything up to uh, six to eight weeks uh, and beyond uh, in some instances. And and the seniority, it can be that people, if, if the stock market is affected by a person leaving, there'll be a six month notice period required. And um, so seniority affects it, contractual um, implications affect it. So notice will still have to be given if the contract is terminating. Okay. okay. Only if it's terminating. From layoff, the current circumstances, no one knew, you know, no one knew on the morning of the 12th of March um, that by the end of that day, (laughs) the world was going to be a very different place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My way to a conference. Um, So uh, I had to turn around the car and come home. And, you know, so so it is the the suddenness of layoff. There is no requirement for a notice period for layoff. Okay. Okay. Because it's generally because we've got to react to something very immediate that has occurred. Okay. And the the original plan in the Redundancy Payments Act was you had four to six weeks to to recover from that. And even if as an employee, I served you with notice for redundancy to pay me redundancy, I had an opportunity to come back and say, no, 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 this contract is going to come online and I will have at least 13 weeks work for it for you so built into the layoff um provisions in in law is an opportunity for the employer to lay lay me off really quickly because it's an emergency situation but then have a period of time to recover and and you know recuperate and and bring back an economic situation that i can be re-engaged okay and final questions around this so let's say you know you have a good relationship with your employees you talk to them you explain what's going on unprecedented you know everybody including senior management we need to put everybody on a four-day week um and maybe the pay is being reduced pro rata do you actually i mean that's a change to a contract the term yes. of contract you need to put a new contract is an email enough is it a side letter and addendum my lawyer is coming out here, but <laughs> yeah. what do you do? Okay, well, well, the first thing is, in an ideal world, you get everybody's agreement. 
Mm. Because you are changing their contract of employment and it's making a fundamental change. And to change it without agreement may give rise to a payment of wages claim. Yes. Um, so, so in an ideal world, you will, you'll get agreement. In the event that employees don't agree it, in, an, in the normal course of events, that would end up in the Workplace Relations Commission and the employer has an obligation to put forward evidence of inability to pay that the financial situation of the co- of the company has deteriorated such that they have to put everybody on three or four day weeks. Um, so so that would be maybe where a union challenges the requirement of, of a, or a reduction in pay. Maybe everyone's working five days, but they're only going to get paid 75%. You know, they're taking a 25% reduction. So in the normal course of events, you would seek to get agreement. If you don't have agreement and you go ahead anyway, the, the Workplace Relations Commission is closed down at the moment, as in, as is the, the Labour Court. So there's nowhere to go for any, cons, you know, any, any um, discussion of it or negotiation. There's no mechanism for doing that. So you may be obligated to go ahead and do it anyway. But if you're going ahead and doing it anyway, without consent, make sure that you have the documentary evidence that is relevant to the date on which the change starts so that you can justify it. So what the court will look for is objective justification of the decision made. So it needs to be signed off by your accountant or auditor, somebody to say, I certify that on this date, Mary's business was at such and such a stage that they could not meet. And this was the best way to save the maximum number of jobs. Okay. So I think if you do that, then that will be fine. Perfect. And then in terms of the contract, how do you do it? Yes. So the way it's done is done by an addendum to the contract. In yes. in all of employment law, it is not necessary for an employee to sign their contract of employment. What is written in the original legislation that was was brought in was that the employer had to sign it. And that allowed for the fact that when the um, Terms of Employment Information Act was introduced by Mary Harney, uh, who was then the Minister for Industry and Commerce, um, when she brought that in, uh, she, she re- recognised that some employees may not sign their contract. They may refuse to sign it. Just because you don't sign it doesn't mean you're not bound by it. Right. Uh, and employees have that misapprehension that, you know, well, if I don't sign it, it doesn't apply to me. They have to actually do something to object to it and put that in writing. Not okay. signing it isn't isn't sufficient. So in law, it is the employer that is obligated to sign a contract of employment. And it, so all you've got to do is set out the terms, set out this, this amends clause four of your contract of employment in your rate of pay. It now sets it to this level of employment and or this level of pay for this number of hours. It is effective from X date, signed by Mary Employer. And an opportunity for Ruth, the employee, to sign it mm-hmm. and scan it back to me or photograph it and send it back to me. But if she doesn't, it doesn't matter. Okay. Right. You no. have put the notification, send it by email, and then you have a date stamp of yeah. when. Okay. Okay. No, that's super. That's super. Yeah. Okay. So it's all about evidence. All yeah. About- well, yeah, yeah. Thing, documentary evidence. You and I both uh, both love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I suppose just a, a couple of things that have come up from various different employers with me um, has been some employees are going, I'm not going in, I'm not uh, I'm not working there. You know, mm-hmm. I can't be six feet away from whatever, you know, and, and I can't do that. So I suppose if people are refusing to come to work, and we've touched on this a little bit earlier on, uh, if people are refusing to come to work, the first question you've got to sit back and really ask yourself as employers is, 
is it reasonable? Am I obliging people to come into an unsafe situation? So look at, uh, look at, you know, maybe it is I can rotate annual leave so that we only have 10 people in when we would normally have 20. Maybe there is use of something like that that could be used to say, if you take two days annual leave this week or, you know, we'll we'll figure it all out because we'll all work overtime when we come back and we'll get time off in lieu. So don't be worrying about, you know, going out to Tenerife in October. We'll manage it. Yeah. But for, for right now, so that I can pay you and have you not here. And rather than getting into whether we're on layoff or work, whatever, you take your annual leave. Or maybe an employee, if I have, if I'm deciding that, I can't come to work because I am working with or I'm living with my partner or someone in my house is a healthcare worker or frontline worker or whatever. And I'm afraid and I'm deciding I'm going to self-isolate or I'm not going into the workplace because my wife is pregnant and I want to keep her safe. You know, so there is maybe where is there? Where is it reasonable? Where is it unreasonable? You yeah. know, one of the one of the things that came to my desk was my employer is obliging me. You know, when I go into the canteen, they're not observing social distancing. Now, this was prior to the complete shutdown. They're not observing social distancing in the canteen. Well, then bring in your packed lunch and have it at your desk. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't have to go yeah. to the canteen. Yeah. So there are things that you need to engage with employees in a reasonably robust way to say, is there a refusal to come to work? Is there is it reasonable? Am I as the as the reasonable employer? Am I doing everything I can? Then if they're refusing to come to work and there's an unreasonable element to it like that, you know, like the canteen example or, you know, well, I'm not going in because my wife's pregnant. That isn't reasonable because if there are proper protocols in place by the employer, then that's not a reasonable situation. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The employee can use their annual leave. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's an unauthorized absence, then we're down the disciplinary route and employers shouldn't be afraid to say that. Say if you if you're not coming in, then you're you know you're absent without leave. We're not saying it's okay for you. You can't be on social welfare because we we have the work here for you. And if you're receive, refusing the reasonable request of the employer, then that is a disciplinary matter. Okay, yeah, that's not sense. a trigger we really want to pull. But no. at the same no. time, you know, and no. okay. um, I I have in there about parental leave. You know, parental leave, maternity, they're things that you've got to think about. If you have an employee on maternity leave and um, they, and let's say there's top-ups to the maternity benefit, mm. um, some employees, things like that, you've got to apply the same rules to them as you have for your employees. Don't get, oh. don't get unstuck on employment equality, particularly not in, in the, in the gender, under the gender heading, because it can go to the court to the district court as well as go to the employment the, or instead of the uh, workplace relations. So, um, so don't make sure that you're, you're applying whatever, whatever matrix you apply, uh, that you apply to all your employees. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Or even one example be, if you as an employer are topping up, say on the, the, the 70% you're topping up, yeah. that you would, if you had been topping up maternity pay, you, you, you'd keep that topped up as well. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, so that's just yeah. a, a cautionary yeah. note. Yeah. Anything else before we? No, I think that's yeah, that's a covered. Okay. <laughs> um, permits. The 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 department has the most fantastic documentation on permits. To be fair, they have a new document here, um, that they published of what happens during COVID nineteen and work permits. 
And okay. so I would say to people, go on. If, if, it, if it affects you, if you have people that are working with you on a, on a work permit, then for goodness sake, go on and download that. It's a really user friendly. It's written in very plain language. And, um, I, you know, I followed it with, through one read. Uh, and normally some of these things, they take me about five reads before I figure out exactly what they're saying. This is as straightforward. It's as user friendly as it possibly can right. be. Right. My only caution, my big caution would be, if you employ people that are here on a student visa, which is called a type two stamp, and if you are employing people on that, there are two types of student visas. Students have an obligation to sign on in their colleges uh, and, and, when, and to prove their attendance at their college during term time. And so they have to have proof of their college attendance and then they can work up to 20 hours a week. When it's non-term time, students can work 40 hours a week and there's no problem with that because everybody knows what normal non-term time is. At the moment, students are, have been relieved of the obligation to sign into their colleges. So that has been taken away from all students. If the college is that I've come to Ireland, I'm on a student visa, I'm from Brazil, I'm doing you know, I'm doing psychology in Trinity and I'm signed up to that and, and whatever. That is, that the likes of Trinity we know is going to be on a, a list. It's, a, it's on an authorized list of uh, authorized establishments for education, right? <laughs> there is a second list. Well, actually, there's a non-list. There's, the, there's all the other colleges that are fantastic, do fantastic degrees. They're QQI accredited. They're all of these things but they're not on the official list. So the people, the employ, the, the uh, students that are on, that are going to the official college list, one of the uh, institutions on the official list, they have a type two. The people that are not, that are going to a college equally legitimately in the country and nothing wrong with the college that they're going to, but that college hasn't applied to be part of the list. They're on a type two A. And those people are not allowed to work more than 20 hours a week at the moment. Okay. But if you are going to a recognized college, then you are allowed to work 40 hours a week. Okay. And if you allow one of these people, if you're employed, so if you're in the healthcare sector, you know, there are particular sectors where there is a real need at the moment. Mm. And there is, and they're the, they're probably uh, home carers a lot. I know a lot of students would work as home carers. Yeah. And uh, so if you engage for more than 20 hours, someone that shouldn't be, that's on a type 2A, that is a criminal offence and the workplace relations inspectors will come after you very heavily and involve the Gardaí. So don't do it. It's not worth it. I've seen where the prosecutions have happened um, in the normal course of events and it's not a pleasant sight. So don't take the risk. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Oh, good point to note for people who do have... Those kind of employees. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we dealt with all of that. That's all. Yeah. A bit. yeah that makes and sense. it has to be health and safety. Um, okay. And that is that if you're obligating people to come to work, make sure that you're following the COVID-19 precautions. Make sure that you're doing social distancing. Make sure that you're, you have, are, are proving a cleaning schedule. You know, that you are, you are proving um, that you are adhering. Go on to hsa.ie, that's the health and safety authority.ie. They have fantastic resources. They really do. They have great checking mechanisms. They, they pretty much do the job for you. But download them if you are obliging people to come in and to 
have to be in the proximity of others because you are an essential service. It is really important that you're keeping absolute records uh, that you have proven that you have hit the health and safety standard. Okay. Because in the horrific and unlikely event, but at this moment in time, people are dying at a rate of up to 20 a day of COVID-19 in Ireland. If that ha- ends up being one of your employees, the last thing you want is on the other end of this to find that it was because of you you didn't pay heed, you didn't bother going on to HSA, you didn't you didn't employ or, or buy PPE equipment, you didn't take temperatures of employees coming to work, you know, you didn't take self, health and safety precautions. It's really it's as simple enough. It's not terribly time consuming. Download it from the HSA where it's all done for you. They have a fantastic procedure on there. And if you follow it, it's not terribly time consuming. It's not expensive. Do it, keep the records, and then in the hopefully highly unlikely event that anything goes wrong, at least you can prove you did your absolute best and you discharged your duty of care to your employees. Yeah. Okay. No, really. And I just see a point there. So subcontractors, again, liability wise, presumably look at the agreements that are in place. Yes, absolutely. Watch your SLAs. Because if you have subcontractors and they're out on site with a client or with whatever, whoever is in effective control of that site mm-hmm. has the liability for that employee or that contractor. Okay. So it may be that you have subcontractors on your site, make sure that while they're on your site, just because there's someone else's employee, while they're on your site, you're liable for their health and safety. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, never is it more important. And as you say, you know, the world will get back to normal. The WRC will open and, you know, people will be looking back. And as you say, what you need is to have made reasonable efforts as a reasonable employee, employer, sorry, know your obligations and document everything, I think is really kind of the top tips that I'm taking from this. Yes, very much so. Yes. Okay. That's super. That's fantastic. Mary, it's been really practical. I could, I could, you know, stay here all day talking to you. I won't. Uh, You're a very busy lady, but I can't thank you enough for your time and your expertise. And if anybody would like Mary's details, she's on Mary Siri Kearney on LinkedIn. Also, her company is the HR Brief. So it's hrbrief.ie or indeed reach out to myself and I can pass on her details. So thank you so much. And hopefully we all get through this. Uh, it passes soon we get back to to normality whatever that's going to look like but um you know great to note there are you know revenue.ie the hsa and there's different public forums as well where you can get good reliable information and but mary thank you so much that's all thank you very much thank you